come on in, sit down, relax. You're about to listen to all my friends are in bar bands. It is a music podcast. It's a life podcast. It's a personal journal. It's an entryway into the hearts, the souls, the lives, and the minds of the people involved in the world of music. My name is David James Young. I am a podcaster. I am a front row fiend of sorts, but um, more than everything else, I am a musician and a music fan. We are here live in the studio apartment in New South Wales, Australia. Hey, before we go any further, this is a fan-supported and listener-supported podcast supported by people just like you. A couple of ways that you can get involved and support the podcast. You can share it on your social medias. We are there. Facebook.com slash A-M-F-A-I-B-B-P-O-D. All My Friends Are In Bar Band podcast. You, you get the idea. You can type All My Friends Are In Bar Bands into Facebook and you can find us there. We're also on Twitter at Bar Bands Pod. B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S-P-O-D. And of course, you can hit us up on Patreon. Support for this podcast comes from you, people. You can be like one of the many, many legends that have come together to throw a few bucks into the tip jar every month to keep this podcast up and running. You can find out more information over at patreon.com slash barbands. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash b-a-r-b-a-n-d-s. <laughs> All right, so thought I'd get my Colt Cabana impression out of the way. What's going on? I hope you guys are well. It's Monday. I'm sorry I wasn't able to get this up on Friday. I have been snowed under completely, but uh, I'm very, very happy to be sharing this episode with you and a brand new episode coming this Friday as well. Yes, this Friday, we are going to be having a chat with Joel Martirana, the lead singer of Endless Heights, a really lovely, really thoughtful dude. We had a wonderful chat a little while back now, and we are finally dusting that one off from the archives and sending that one out your way. But today, today, my friends, we are chatting with the Gooch Palms. The Gooch Palms are Leroy McQueen and Cat Friend, originally from Newcastle, then Sydney, then Newcastle again, and they are currently shacked up in Silver Lake in Los Angeles, where they are touring and living over there for the time being. They just put out their second album, it's called Introverted Extroverts, and it is wall-to-wall bangers. I strongly recommend getting a copy if you have not yet. You can pick that up through their Bandcamp and through their website, so... Uh, obviously type in Gooch Palms and you'll find all the information that you need. I strongly, strongly recommend checking them out. They recently did a tour through Australia opening for Violent Soho, DZ Death Rays, and June Rats. And it was a hell of a show. All four bands put on an absolutely ripper performance. We recorded this during the day before what was going to be the final uh, stop on the entire tour. I unfortunately was not able to see that. I was at the second last night of the tour. Uh, but uh, I, I, I was... Uh, don't worry, I was doing some stuff for this podcast, actually. Uh, stuff that you will no doubt be seeing in the not-too-distant future. And of course, you can find out about it if you sign up on Patreon. Uh, also, thanks to Patreon, we have to shout out to our sponsors, Spit the Dummy Records and Sad Girls Club. Huge shout out to Rachel Maria Cox uh, and the Sad Girls Club for putting together the Sadometer weekend tour. It was Rachel, 
Spencer Scott and Bofolk Balico. And from all reports, all three shows were awesome. I got along to the show at Blackwire. That happened just yesterday, and it was mint. So I'm very, very happy for all three of them. And I'm very excited about Sad Girls Fest, which is coming up this October. Have you got your tickets? If not, why not? October 1st at the Reverence Hotel, October 8th at the factory floor in Sydney. Get the fuck amongst it. Sadgirlsclub.com. Spit the Dummy Records. They got some cool shit happening at the moment. Uh, tapes are available for the new Treehouses record. And there are also pre-orders still happening for my album, Things Work Out for People Like You, which I put out under the name Nothing Rhymes With David. We're doing shirts, we're doing tote bags, and we are doing tapes as well. You can get along to spitthedummyrecords.bigcartel.com for your hookup there. All right, that is all I have to share with you right now, all the way from the greatest city in the world, Newcastle. Here are the Gooch Bombs! Hi everyone, I'm David James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today I would like to introduce you to my friends, the Gooch Pong. Hello. Hello. Introduce yourselves, kids. I'm Leroy McQueen. I'm Cat Friend. And together you are... The Gooch Park. The the greatest city in the world, Newcastle. Repra-fucking-zent. Hell yeah. Woo! Uh, It is uh, Friday afternoon and uh, we're here in Sydney where the Gooch Palms are part of uh, what is now known as the Violent Death Gooch Rats Tour, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, (laughs) you know, family entertainment, you know, something something for everyone really. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. We're like the... uh, earlier band so we're like the uh, before things go haywire you know still children are up um, and you know put your children to bed sort mm. of in Newcastle we have a guy called Big Dog and when Big Dog comes on the TV it says good night girls and boys sweet dreams yeah that's yeah. when the kids get and that's bed. when we start <laughs> we had a similar thing growing up called Prime Possum yeah we ah, have Prime Possum prime as well Prime Possum yeah. high up in the tree yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Prime Possum yeah. yeah and he'd come on just before the final commercial break of Home and Away yeah so yep. just before 7.30 he's just like good yeah. night boys and girls he's like right off yeah. you go yeah <laughs> we had rivals we had Prime Possum on Channel 7 and then Big Dog on Channel 9 yeah so it was like pick your oh. pick, pick your, your favourite large Animal mascot. Yeah. yeah. So I was a big dogger. Big dogger. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I was into big dog. There yeah. you go. There yeah. you go. <laughs> Suck shit, prime possum. Yeah. So, yeah. so prime. Yeah. <laughs> you were kind of added to the tour um, after everything got announced. Um, yeah. Uh, how did that kind of come about? Obviously, well, we um, already knew that we were doing it. Yeah. It was just. Uh, it was so hard to keep under wraps. Right. Yeah. yeah it was just like one of the things. Because we were coming from America, we had to think of logistics and make sure that we had no shows in America and everything just worked out. So it was a little while before from when we got asked to us actually being able to make it happen. Yeah, we had to make up our mind a little quicker. We would have been on the first announcement, but because we were kind of umming and ahhing whether or not it would be 
impossible for us to fly back just mm. for the tour. Because mm. it, it was a pretty insane email to get. Like we were sitting backstage at Oxford Art Factory, yeah, uh, for our last show in Australia, and this email comes through that says Gooch Palms for Waco tour. <laughs> so it was Question a, mark? Yeah, so it was a lot. It was a lot like when you're at a show, like you know, an hour of playing to like process at the time, you know. But yeah, so, they were yeah. like, if you don't, you know, get back to it, you don't have to get back to us straight away, but you'll miss out on the first announcement. Which, that was okay. We were like, we're, okay, well, we'll just, we still have to, we can't say yes yet. Right. But it was really fun because when we were touring to South by Southwest, we actually made a stop uh, on the uh, Waco, actual Waco turnoff in Texas. Oh, perfect. So, yeah, we, like, emailed their management. And we're was like, that can the we, sign? Yeah, yeah we were like, can we take a sneaky picture and be like, we've got some big news coming. Yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah. It was like, yes, that sounds excellent. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, so we had to keep it under wraps for ages, it was which so was hard. hard. But it was good because we were in America, so like, yeah, yeah, it would have been hard if we had a been here. <laughs> yeah. Is this your first time playing with these, like any of these bands? Like, uh, how, um, how, what's the connection? We've like, played with June Rats this year already. Oh yeah, that's right, New Year's Day. That was so much fun. Yeah, yeah that was crazy and, fun. And uh, we've played with Vaughn Soho. Uh, we did Groove and the Moo a couple of years, uh, 2014. Right? Yeah. And they were on that. And then uh, we, did. we did the Newcastle show on the uh, Hungry Ghost. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure. we played with DZ kind of weirdly, like, not really played with them, but did a few showcases that they did at uh, South By this year. Yeah. So they were over there. They did the Aussie Barbecue and they did a... Did they do a Hotel Vegas show? Yeah. Yeah, and we did another showcase together. But we've known all of them for a really long time. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's like one of them things... We've all like being fans of each other's bands, I guess, for a really long time. But this is a mega tour, like it's yeah, very, yeah, yeah. You know, I've always been jealous of hardcore bands because I used to work at a shop that always would have tour posters get put up. Sure, you'd see yeah. like the Parkway Drive with you know, Amity Affliction, and then a smaller band, and then a smaller band, and a smaller band. I was like, man, I wish that would start happening in our sort of genre. You know, where sure. like the big band piggybacks the smaller bands rips them around the tour but next thing you see that smaller band on top of the oh, building totally. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Rip. so I don't know I feel like yeah Monso have kind of tipped it on its head and brought some of that awesome hardcore culture now to like the just the general rock realm yeah. you know which is sure. awesome you know yeah, yeah. absolutely um, so yeah what have been some of the highlights for you guys on this tour it's, it's been absolutely gargantuan from everything that I've seen like that, and also that I literally saw last night yeah. as well, well uh, watching I, I think just watching people who clearly don't know who we are when they first rock up yeah. they're just there because they want to get there in the front get the barrier yeah. So, yeah so they're just like standing there and you kind of you're like alright you don't know me I don't know you. Let's. I'm going to win you over, and let's you know be friends by the end of this. So we'll like you know put on our regular show, mm-hmm. and then we go and watch the other bands out in the audience. And people come up and they're like, "Wow, I've never heard of you guys before. This is you know, you guys, are my new favorite band." We're like, wow, oh, "Wow, like that's awesome! Like you didn't know us, now you you know are a new fan, and that's been mm. a huge." Also, like, we take the job of uh, being the first thing people see every night, like really seriously, like. It's really important as an opening band, you know, to know that you're the opening band. And, like, I see it as a really important job, you know, because, like, you're the person that they've first seen. You've got to get them riled up. You've got to get them moving. You've got to get them ready for the night to come. You've got to get them ready for June Rats. Yeah. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To be fair, though, nothing can prepare you for June Rats. No. (laughs) You just got to bring a shoe to the show that you don't want to ever see again. (laughs) (laughs) Shoe. So yeah, we were talking shoe, about that so last night. Shoes. Someone threw a crock on stage. Yeah, that's, yeah, I don't know how that would work. That person was probably thinking, "I don't like these crocs. I'm going to wear these." 
because I don't want to see this crock ever again. Yeah. Plus, it's waterproof, so if you do want to drink out of it. That's true, that's It's got true. holes in it, but you can kind of plug the holes with your hand. Yeah. I hope uh, one day June rats have, like, their own beer that's in the shape of a shoe. <laughs> oh, my God, that would be perfect. Oh, wow. Guys, if you're listening, get on this entrepreneurial shit, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? We're, yeah. We've got some big ideas out uh-huh. there. Shoey gonna... brew. <laughs> Shoey brew, there yeah. it is. Shoey brew. Oh, it speaks for itself. Yeah. Perfect. I use these things to kind of uh, trace back uh, the initial interest in music and where it kind of went from being something that you know maybe you were listening to on the radio and responding to in that way to being something that you actually wanted to do um Lyra we'll start with you like uh where did the uh interest in music kind of begin like uh um, how did it kind of factor into your upbringing I mean I've, like according to my parents it was just like no one in my family's ever been in a band or even being remotely close to being musical right like and like my parents just had like the general records that everyone had like your Phil Collins and the Tom Petty records and oh, so sure, like yeah. nothing like crazy I think where the passion first started I've said this before is like living across the road from Bengalis from Silverchair oh sure <laughs> yeah so hometown um, hero like uh just seeing that someone that like is on your street on the Letterman show or like girls it, actually it started with seeing how many girls were waiting outside his house you know and as a, a seven eight year old boy you're like you know, whoa, like, I can play an instrument and girls will wait outside your house. Yeah, yeah. So I started playing drums around about that time, and then it was just, it was on from there. Just, like, I wanted everything, and I wanted so much. Like, a lot of bands in Newcastle, they don't leave Newcastle, and they just play around the pubs, but my sure. my dream, I left high school when I was in year 10, told my parents I just want to do music and I was lucky enough that they supported that idea and they're like we'll give you two years and then you got to get a job and I always like worked a job always mm. and did music um, and just honed my craft and yeah, yeah. just kept dreaming big and eventually got out of Newcastle and got to spread the gospel of Newcastle and <laughs> I don't know yeah it's kind of insane but yeah I, I don't know if it hadn't been Silverchair I don't know if I would have got the bug as bad and like dreamt about world like the playing the entire world you know but yeah I used to just lay in bed and listen to Frog Stomp or Freak Show and just like dream mm. wow yeah what about you Kat um, where did it kind of come into your life it's funny being at the shows like we've been playing with Violent Soho I was the kid in the mosh pit right in the middle taking my shoe off like that was me like since, <laughs> oh, really? like, since I was 13 years old so you know I used to go to Bands Warped Tour and mm. Home Bacon Big Day Out and stuff and I was just like, I want to be on the other side of the barrier. Like, I want to be on the stage doing what they do. But I didn't play an instrument or, and I couldn't sing. So I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. like, I don't know how I'm going to make it happen. But one day I'm going to do that. And it took me a long time to kind of put my plans into action. But when right. he was looking for a band, for a new project, because he's played in bands all since how old, like 14? Yeah, 13, 14. And I was like, hey... I can probably like play keyboard if you give me like a lot of time and patience and I got my computer out and my laptop and opened it on top of like an organ that I bought and it had like the dots on the keys saying which keys were which chords <laughs> and I had dots on my keys and I eventually learned how to do it enough like not very well but enough that we could start playing shows mm. and we just started we were really bad and we just yeah. started playing just shows around we didn't town. muck around we didn't wait till we were good no. we just because no. like, our favourite thing to do which is kind of obvious is play live like that's, mm. 
no one's going to question that. So we were just like, we're doing it. But we were just doing it for fun at the time. Like, mm-hmm. we were living in Sydney. We were just like, Working. let's just play World Bar and, you know, uh, I don't know, what else did we play? Like, It was an excuse to get a couple of free drink tickets after work yeah. on Friday, you and know? So I wasn't really thinking it would ever amount to anything. But then we started getting a little better. I swapped from organ to drums mm. when our backing track tape machine broke. So right. I was like, all right, someone needs to play drums. I'm like, I think it. Still the whole time thinking we were going to have a four-piece band. Yeah, we were still always like, when, when the right people come along, we'll, yeah, yeah. Know, we'll make this a proper band. But then one then, day we just went, then, hey, hey, I think this is actually what's going to be the band now. So well, it we kind of went like this. It went like, Cucaracha stole my baby, the first seven inch. Then it went, are you for serious, second seven inch. And then we started writing Novo's the album. And we're like, oh, I yeah. guess it's just going to be the two of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. So yeah. it's kind of, I don't know, like... It was just a garage project, like literally in our garage in Redfern to start with. We were just mucking around. Like I didn't have, when we first started, we had nothing. We had a guitar and a bucket and we recorded our first song on yeah. a, 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 a tambourine. Song, uh, Don't Cry. <laughs> yeah, we recorded Don't Cry. the first speech palm song ever written. And it was like just guitar and a bucket and a tambourine. Wow. And so we were like, yeah, we can make music out of whatever. Like we'll just, we'll be fine. But yeah, that was, I just, I loved music since the day I was born like I was obsessed yeah, yeah, with yeah, concerts yeah. like I'd watch concerts on the TV instead of cartoons and my parents were just like oh, I wish you know you were I was always really shy and anxious about performing live so I never did sure it. yeah but I wished I always wished I could have and then one day I was just like hey why can't I like yeah. anyone can like yeah, literally totally. anyone can just do it like if you've got a bucket you can just get on there and, yeah, yeah, and start, right. start a band that's what I like to hear <laughs> Lyra, tell us a bit about um, the music you were doing uh, before Gooch Palm. So, what was the what was your first band? What was the first time you played live? Like the I, the first time I ever played live, I mean, would have been at school in like a the first ever band I was ever in was a like a pop punk band, right? Very Blink One Eighty Two called Ethanol. Okay, nice. Cool thirteen year old boy band. Of course, band. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Singing songs about having no respect and <laughs> like. I think we had a song about bucket. Uh, which, no, what's it called? Uh, when you pour the beer into the funnel. Um, bucket bong. Beer bong. Beer bong. Beer bong. Yeah, yeah. So that was the extent of the lyric. And then I was in another band which was pretty terrible called Half Shot, which was very silver chair sounding. And then, like, the first serious band was uh, when I was like 17, I started, joined a band uh, called Lover. Which they were like twenty, they were like twenty-two or twenty-three year olds, and I was like seventeen, and they did a lot. So of you sh- just left school? Yeah, I left school when I was sixteen, so I was like available. Right. Yeah. And I started playing bass, just bass and like backing vocal in that band. But that band really quickly started doing really well, and uh, we had like a ton of major labels after us, and um, we were playing like all around Australia, and that's when I got the bug of like, whoa, like this is pretty cool but the whole time it was hard for me to settle on being just the bass player slash backup singer mm. when all I want to be is the front man you know sort of thing so it, it kind of just sort of fell apart mutually and still all like best they're still my best friends yeah yeah but uh yeah that's where the I sort of like cut my teeth and got to like record in a proper studio and play like proper venues and play with bigger bands and um, that's kind of like when I was like moved to Sydney to try and start a project but it ended up turning into the Gooch Palms right yeah. right yeah. so did you play live before the Gooch Palms at all Kat you weren't no, in any bands or anything before no, that I did not have any, I just was a fan of music and I right. was you know 
at every show and owned every record of all my favorite bands, but I just didn't think regular people could do that kind of thing. Sure, yeah, just yeah. Like you know, nor- like regular people were regular people, and people in bands were like, mm, "I'm a band guy, like I can do this band thing." But then I realized, like, no, anyone can do it. Fucking yeah. Yeah. So once I realized that, I was like, "Oh, sweet, all right." So what what was that first show like? That you it was played? at the where was it the. Lansdown. The Lansdowne. It was terrible. The worst. We uh, once we again relied, the backing track broke. We relied on the backing track, and the sound guy didn't Abused know how to this. use it. He made it just sound crunchy. It just sounded like static coming through the speakers. And yeah, we wanted to crawl into like a hole and go missing. It was yeah, just, it just went from bad to worse. We had friends oh, come no. up from Newcastle, come yeah. down from Newcastle for oh, it, yeah. and like friends out, like you know Sydney friends, and we were just like, wow. Actually, no, that was the first, like, gig at a venue. The first one we ever played was a house a house show. And that was really fun. That went well. Yeah. We really cut our teeth at uh, World Bar. We played there a lot. I think World Bar's been a great thing for a lot of bands. Well, I remember playing with June Rats back in, in the World Bar days. Oh, sure, yeah. And we met a lot of friends that we're now friends with, like, best friends with back in those yeah, days. Yeah, like Dion from Palms. And, yeah, it was like a mecca mm. back in the day. Mm. You were sort of there every Friday night when mum was on, wouldn't you? Whether you were playing or not, you just went there. Mm. It was unreal. Like, yeah, I, yeah. that's another like another thing that I don't know if we'd be still here if we didn't have that opportunity to just... Like, we didn't even have demos and they let us play there. And we were bad. Like, we were terrible. And we had a crowd, like, because he used to just have to, like, because we were so bad, he was like, I'm just going to... Well, that's when the nudity started. I'm just going to so perform my way through it so no one And no one used to look at us, did they? Like when before that sort of happened, so then we switched into another gear and sort of went more performance art for a while. Yeah, there was a lot of bleeding and. Yeah, I used to like smash bottles and then like slide on the smash glass Jesus and things Christ. like that, which was, constantly hurt. I was like, this is a went to hospital a, a lot in the early live. days, <laughs> but I don't regret anything because it got us. It, it really got us some notoriety, and that's when people sort of started taking notice. Mm. Whether they were taking us seriously or not, well, they but, weren't taking us seriously. Yeah. <laughs> but the whole time, we we it was all part of a master plan that kind of now is coming into play. Like we always wanted to be here, and I always considered us more of an indie band that just didn't know how to be an indie band yet, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing. And so we just got lumped into that garage world. But I mean, I don't really take any inspiration from sixties garage music for this band. I love it, mm. but. I was. It was kind of like a weird period that time where everyone was just like, "Oh, you've got like jangly guitars and you're a garage band," sort of thing. Mm. It was such a weird time. But but I think we were only a garage band because we were literally a garage band. Like mm. we. Well, I felt bad because like there were actual really good garage bands like Straight Arrows and Flame uh, and Frowning Clouds and who were like real garage bands. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sure. And really, really good. we were good. just a shit, a shit band. Like, <laughs> Hence the name Shit Pop. Yeah, so we just got called Garage because we were lo-fi because we couldn't do it do any better yeah. and we couldn't play our instruments very good. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so you're both originally from Newcastle. Born know? and raised. Yeah. Represent. Um, at what point did um, you guys move to Sydney? Was that kind of separately did you guys know each other in Newcastle we've been together 10 years so we've known each other since we were 19 we moved here in what year was it 2008 was it mm-hmm. yeah and then we lived here for about 3 years and, and it got really expensive it. yeah we Plus, don't really we were spending more time in Newcastle than we were here yeah we didn't want to get like real jobs so we're like oh, you can't do that in Sydney it's too expensive yeah yeah 
So we then we moved back to Newcastle, moved into the Gooch Farm, which is where we lived until we moved to America, which is an awesome house. And that's when the band started, like, that's when people started, yeah. Well, we were able to dedicate more time to the band because we weren't working as hard to pay rent, which yeah. we were doing. Like, all we did in Sydney was work to pay rent. We didn't get to socialise that much because we were too poor. Mm. So as soon as we moved back to Newcastle, we had a lot of free time and a lot more money. And it's also where we realised there was like a real void in Newcastle. Like there was a lot of kids doing stuff but not leaving Newcastle. And that's when I realised, I was like, man, we do live in like one of the greatest cities going around. I was like, and that's one thing Silverchair never did that always bugged me. They never repped Newcastle. (laughs) They never were like, we are from this tiny little town in Australia, and I would have loved to like have heard that as a kid, you know. Sure, yeah. Because everyone used to just go, Newcastle sucks. I hate Newcastle. I hate living here, and that's all I ever heard growing up. Like, mm. can't wait to move out of this shit hole. And and now, like, kids come up and just hug us and just go, "I'm from Newcastle. Thank you so much." Like a kid last night was wearing a Newcastle Knights jersey. Mm. Oh like, no, nice. that never used to happen. No. But I started using a Newcastle Knights strap and talking about how much I love the Knights and. Uh, yeah, it's just, and so many kids are doing stuff now there, and it feels great. Yeah, yeah. It feels so good. Yeah, yeah. We've had a bunch of people uh, from Newcastle on this podcast, um, that was even a month, like, dedicated to it, and, like, people, you know, like, from that hardcore world, and, mm. you know, oh, the uh, hardcore, like, the and, like folks, um, people like Jen Buxton, and uh-huh. uh, Ben from Safe Hands, and people like that, like, a, a real interesting mix of people, yeah. uh, Jamie Hay as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. hell yeah. Um, so, um, but, yeah, I'm curious, because you guys are kind of, like you said, kind of disconnected from, from that world, and, like, a... You know, kind of out on your own kind of deal. Like, uh, what what has Newcastle's music scene been like for you as a kind of thing to inhabit and kind of spread the word about? You know, well for us it wasn't a scene at all. Like we had right, to just, yeah, you had to kind of build it. Yeah, because I mean the hardcore scene was always so strong, mm. and that was just yeah, we were just different. I was always so jealous of it too because it was so strong, like and so supportive, and we just weren't. You, you just weren't. Like we know some of the people that playing hardcore bands but we've yeah. never really been into the scene but yeah that was hard because we I, there's no way we could ever play hardcore music even if we like really wanted to mm. so we were just like okay there's not really much of a scene for just like our style of music we'll just play and have random bands there was the Nugs they were a, another band that were around I think they're uh, yeah. back together now in Melbourne but they've all moved out of Newcastle right yeah um, and we used to play with them they were pretty much the only band in Newcastle that we played with and then the Suffragettes came out of the Nugs and we played with the Suffragettes a lot but apart from that there wasn't like really there was no scene for us so that's why we there were scenes and they were strong and uh, we used to go and watch all the bands down at the Croatian club and stuff oh sure yeah for us personally as the style of music that we played it wasn't yeah, we kind of just... Which, in a, in, in a sense, was a blessing, because I think if there hadn't been a strong scene, maybe we would have just stuck to, like, going, well, we get to play to 100 people every yeah, night. Yeah, things Newcastle. get too comfortable. I don't go you to might Sydney. not push yourself as much. So we were like, all right, we have to play everywhere else because no one likes us in Newcastle. So we'll just... And people just weren't coming to the shows because there was no scene. So we were just yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. We can't be the only band. So, Did you, know, you feel like outsiders in Sydney when you moved there? No, Sydney, we've, we kind of felt... Like, we'd found some bands to play with here. Like, there were yeah, more bands, sure. but Newcastle kind of had yeah, nothing really going on at the time for us. So, pretty much the whole of Nova's, the first album, is about that kind of 
lyrical content is all about. Well, yeah, We Get By is the whole song is about, it's about playing, playing a in show, Sydney. playing a show, driving from Newcastle to Sydney, playing a show, then coming home and seeing everyone. <coughs> Hanging out with our friends, but not playing shows in Newcastle. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. Basically, that song is like looking yourself in the mirror and saying, "Everything's okay, right? right. Everything will be okay." That's all right. And that—that yeah. that was our kind of song to make us feel better. But now we play that song to lots of kids, and there's a whole scene going on, and we're like, "Awesome! Like, yeah. we don't—we don't feel this way anymore." Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. ironic that we're, yeah, yeah. we're singing the song now. And I mean, last time we played in Newcastle, we got. It was like 480 payers wow. to the Cambridge Hotel. And when we played We Get By, we had 480 people sing that song. And when I hopped off stage, like my eyes just like belled up with water and I actually cried. Like I couldn't believe it. I've been playing at the Cambridge Hotel to nobody since I was like 40 yeah. years old. And it was just one of them. I'm even getting emotional now talking oh, about yeah, it. Like, yeah. it was was just this in like, the sidebar or the main room? The, the main, main room. room. Wow. Yeah. It's hectic. Yeah, so... Yeah, we even opened a bar in that sidebar for a bit, tried to like start something, but it didn't didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was a moment I'll never forget. Oh, 100%. Ever. Yeah, ever. yeah, yeah. Tell us about the first time you guys went on tour. I, uh, I think it was with Straight Arrows. Oh, awesome. We were at Geelong in Melbourne. That's right. Mm. Yeah. That was like ages ago now. Brisbane, and a little fun fact about the Brisbane show... There was a little, uh, little known act, little unknown act at the time. It went little unknown act, Gooch Palm Straight Arrows, and that little unknown act turned out to be the shirt you're wearing, Courtney Barnett. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was that was funny. We were just like, oh, who's this Courtney Barnett chick? And she played, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then the next time I saw her, she was just blowing up. Yeah, like, unreal. It was so like, good. Whoa. She just did SNL last weekend. Yeah, like it's fucking nuts. We with knew, Fred Armisen. We knew about that for a while because we're friends with her tour manager in America. Oh sure, yeah. And um, he told us he's like, don't tell anyone, but Courtney's doing the SNL finale for the season. We're like. Oh my god, that's like told that's fucking wild. Told yeah. We oh did god. not. We didn't, well, we were in America, so the only people that would have cared would have been the people who already knew. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he told all our friends. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we were just like, damn, I'm sure that he was is told massive. Not to tell anyone. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. He couldn't keep it in. It was okay, too okay. exciting. Yeah, yeah way that too was exciting insane. To keep it in. Yeah, but that's been exciting to watch her blow up in America. Oh like, yeah, of and, and you know what? It's like any time for us as a band, any time a guitar, drum, bass band, you know makes it big it just you know like what Violent Soho's doing now sure yeah yeah and not saying that like I'd like any electronic music or whatever I love every genre of music yeah you know? yeah but it's just like it's just anytime there's someone kicking goals like Courtney Barnett it's just it even makes it different for us in in um, America we get a lot of people coming to our shows because they're fans of Courtney Barnett they see the Australian in brackets on the tour poster right yeah and they go I'll go have a squiz mm. Perfect. So thanks, Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, on that on that note, you guys like uh, as we've mentioned, you've spent a lot of time overseas in the in the last few years. Uh, where did that kind of stem from? Was that just a thing where you saw a market and you wanted to kind of impact on that, or was that something you had always wanted to do? I mean, we just owned a lot of records from bands from over oh, from America specifically, and kind of mostly the. West Coast, and we're like, oh, there's such a strong, like, group of bands that are from the West Coast that are doing really well, they all seem to be playing together and touring all the time. And it also started happening once we, I think we, there was a, there was a three-month or four-month period where we played with No Bunny, King Khan Barbecue Show, Shannon and the Clams, and Hunts and His Punks. Yeah. Wow. And 
they all were like, you guys should come over to America. They're like, you would kill it in America. Americans would love you guys. And we're like, oh, yeah. And then we got asked to do a festival in Memphis called Gorner Fest. So we, we booked a tour around that and then got a taste of it. And just felt like three weeks in America just wasn't enough. It was such hard work to do that we kind of felt like we had to go back and spend more time. Yeah. We went over there just with no plans, sold everything here, like yeah. used all that money to move to America. We just turned up and we're like, oh, where are we going to live? There was a room available in Silver Lake in LA and we're like, all right, let's just move in here with these people we don't know and we'll see how it goes. And we're still there. Like we toured America for the whole year. All right. Um, yeah, we we played like 140 shows last year, and we're like, Holy surely, shit. surely, during one of those shows, we'll find a city that we like more than LA, and we'll move there, and then that will be our base. Yeah. And we didn't. Like, we were like so surprised that when we came back to LA, we're like, this is it. This is where we're gonna live. Like, this is amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, the people, like everyone, seems to have moved there, like from all different cities to LA. It seems to be where everyone's migrating to now. So there's just a great like buzzy kind of scene going on all musicians are doing stuff and a lot of people are doing their own labels and yeah it's just like a real creative hub at the moment yeah which is, sure which is great for us because you know that's exactly what we wanted to be doing so, 140 shows is that's fucking that's a no mean feat oh it's crazy <laughs> and yeah we just like you kind of do a big American tour get back to the start be like alright you want to you want to do another tour and then we'll just do another tour so we did I think we did I don't know how many tours, maybe three tours, and then just random shows all over the West Coast in between. So it was a big year. Yeah, I can imagine. What kind of places were you guys hitting up? Was it like super like small town places? Like everywhere. Like we played some tiny places, like a cafe in Fargo. Not Fargo. Oh, we did play Fargo. No, what was that place called? Can't remember. Somewhere. It's, oh. Like in Minnesota? Or like... No, it was on the West Coast. It's t- a tiny little town. Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. But it was like a little, like a winery kind of town. Like all they were known for was wine. And people were just really surprised. They're like, what are you, what are you doing here? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, we're just playing a show. So there were places like that. And then there were places like, oh, most of the places were major cities. Like some, like all, like especially on the West Coast, some really little places. Because you can just pop like one hour one hour one hour and play a different place every day yeah so we did a little tiny tour of just like the west coast one time and yeah we played some tiny places but there were people there like people came out and it was crazy and then we played like some really big places there's we played this big like old church venue in san francisco and Mm. that was crazy it was huge we're like why have they booked us here this is a way too big a venue for us (laughs) then we found out the same day that we were playing that night there was a huge festival on at Golden Gate Park with like Elton John and massive acts and they just needed some pleb to fill in that night so they were like oh the Gooch Pumps are touring through you want to see if they want to play the Sunday night to nobody because <laughs> no one would obviously come out but if there was still like about 200 people there I'm just like wow. where did you come from what are you doing here on a Sunday <laughs> night yeah so and we played some big festivals like we played well they're all niche festivals, but like Boga Boogaloo and yeah, 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 that was absolutely packed. Like we couldn't believe it. So that was amazing, and played South by Southwest two years in a row now. Fantastic. Yeah. Where did the Andre Three Thousand thing happen? Because that that that, that, that was, made some waves over here. That, that was, was hilarious. Random thing. We were playing this little venue in Detroit, and 
we had two tiny amps because this was our first American tour. We yeah, yeah. Just bought like the cheapest stuff we could afford, and the amps were really, really bad amps. So Leary had they were just two practice amps, and the bass blew. The bass amp blew because he plays through two amps. So it was just this B sounding amp guitar amp, and he was like, "Oh no, oh well, we'll just have to like make it work." And as just as the bass blew, Andre three thousand walked through the door, <coughs> and we were just like, "Who is?" who is that? And we're like, that's Andre 3000. Like, it doesn't, no one kind of looks like him. We're like, unless it's just a guy that looks exactly like him. And he stood right in the middle and he like swayed and danced and like, everyone was just like freaking out. Like, play cool, play cool. He's in the audience. Don't worry about it. There were about 40 people there. Yeah. And he was one of them. And then at the end, he came up, he's like, great show. That was amazing. And we're like, oh my God, the one night the amp has to like blow up. That was, you know, there's a super famous person watching us. <laughs> but he, he was like, he'd just been to Australia, just played Splendor, I think. Oh, sure, yeah. And um, he'd done some surfing while he was in Byron Bay, so all he wanted to talk about was surfing. We talked to him for about an hour about random stuff. And then he like was like, oh, can I grab a record and a T-shirt? And we're like, yeah, man, here you go. Please take it. And he's like, no, I'll buy it. We're like, oh, my God. Like, So it was, yeah, it was insane. And... He was so normal. Like, it was just weird. Like, yeah. he was just a normal dude at a normal show. He had been recording Aretha Franklin's new album with Justin Bieber's producer wow. down the road. And he went into a bar and he was like, oh, is there no live music tonight? And they're like, oh, not tonight. It's like, oh, I just want to see, like, a punk show or something. And they're like, oh, there's an Australian band playing down the street. If you want to go watch them? He's like, oh, that sounds good. So then he just wandered down into our show and was like doesn't happen that's really weird (laughs) of all the gin joints in the world right yeah so that was yeah and you know there were everyone was freaking out everyone was getting photos with him so that was pretty good where do you guys kind of see things going from here like uh now that you've kind of tested the waters and done these all like this extensive touring through the states is that a place where you kind of perceive the future of the band to be like being based out of there and kind of uh, doing runs of shows through there, etc. I think so. I think we've really found our like our place in LA. Mm. It just seems so easy. Like it's just so easy. Like we always struggled here. There's just not enough like towns to play in. Mm, sure. So you have to have a job unless you want to be on the dole and try and scam the Which government. That's just and it's not just too, even it's, doable. It's just too hard. Yeah. So over there, like we don't, we're not allowed to make money doing anything else. So we have to play shows. Yeah. So we can play enough shows every week every month whatever to live off the band and that's just living the dream pretty much if that's what you want to do so we're kind of good at good right now like we make enough money when we're back to get back to america and we make enough money in america to get back here whenever we kind of need or want to Mm. so it's it's easy to be based in america and come back to australia often than it is to do it the other way around because we have to get year visas to stay over there anyway so you may as well we can get a visa for one day if you want it costs the same amount as getting a U visa so we try and like you want to make the most of that you know payment and it's just opened up so many more doors because like the whole world looks at America sure you know and like out of America we're going to Europe and the UK this year yeah it's definitely easier to get exposure in America if you get exposure in America it just kind of trickles down to every country and I feel like the industry here too and a lot of people that are either managers booking agents or whatever have like personally come up to me and been like what you guys are doing is amazing and that's kind of really really cool to hear from the Australian music industry to sort of say like hey what you guys are doing is right and yeah. amazing and just keep doing it and 
everyone we, seems so proud. Like, cause you, well, we're doing everything ourselves. We don't have anyone. We have Amanda. We have Amanda, our publicist in Australia. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. She's... Uh, She's amazing, and she's the only one that she's we have. She's the third member of this Yeah, team, she's the sure. only one that we kind of have led into the inner circle. We've had booking agents and managers in the past, but nothing's We're just kind of control of freaks. <laughs> yeah, Amanda is... She's the only one that we kind I, of... I think we annoy them people, because we're just so, like... Well, you, you micromanage know, someone, that's not... Keep it. Yeah, it's yeah. Not but 24 hours, of, every waking minute, it's just gooch palms for us. <laughs> it's just... Everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, we'll we'll live in America for however long until I'm going to apply for a green card this year. See how that awesome. pans out. So if we can get a green card, then we don't have to do the visa every year, and then we can really just come and go as we please, which would be great. Because it's funny now, we feel like we live in America. We feel like that's our home, and we still feel that way about Australia. So it just feels like it's really weird. Like it just made the world feel small. I honestly can't tell her where I am anymore. Yeah, like, right. I just like we could be anywhere right now. It's so it's actually not for someone that has such bad anxiety. It's taken my anxiety away because I'm like become so numb to uh, unfamiliar surroundings. You know, so like now I'm just like, all right, this is where we're playing. Or you wait till we go to Europe and Asia, and yeah. you're like, well, I can't speak the language. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys toured through there yet? No, no we're doing it. Time, November, we're December. doing yeah, Europe this year. Oh, excited! And we really want to go through Asia on the way, like try and do like a big like through Europe, through Asia, back to Australia yeah. kind of route, but one step at a time. It's just so full on that we've got to like yeah take baby steps so we're finally yeah. doing Europe alright so we'll wrap it up here but before we do that I ask this of all of my guests and Gucci's it is now your turn I want to know about the best and worst shows that you have ever played I think I personally think the worst show we've ever played was a show we played in Cleveland okay uh, we played for 10 minutes we it was when we were wearing like matching costumes. We didn't uh-huh. put our costumes on because the crowd was so angry and scary we like, and yeah, weird. I thought we were gonna get shot. They're just like all and weird. Not, not that as a joke either. Like they were all like weird. Like there were about five people there. They were all rednecks. They were all watching some sport on TV and really angry that there were bands playing. And we were like, why are we playing here? This is scary. And we played for ten minutes really quickly, packed up our stuff and like bailed. And the only reason that was we played gigs where we've played bad and it's been bad sound and the yeah. sound guys sucked but that was bad because we personally played the worst show because we didn't want to be there and we afterwards we were like we shouldn't have done that we should have just played a proper Gooch Palm set I mean like fuck you we don't care like yeah, you know and so I felt really disappointed in us for doing it like that so that was my personal Mine worst. actually happened quite recently in uh, Santa Ana, California uh-huh. where we played an all ages uh, festival and they had all the and not to like notoriety ourselves but they had all the bigger bands playing later and we were stoked that we got put on later because we felt like oh cool like we're making some traction over here and there was some good bands on the bill and it was all ages and there was only all ages kids there and at 11 o'clock the venue kicked out all the all ages kids and left nobody and there was nobody left and it was terrible it was just awful yeah, it was, that was just so a, heartbreaking yeah it was heartbreaking for everybody too yeah but yeah yeah those were some oh. crappy gigs but what about the best ones though I don't know the Cambridge Hotel oh yeah I guess it would have to be the, yeah, the last Newcastle, Cambridge show the one that we were 
talking about to, to yeah oh and also the time we sold out Newtown Social Club the first yeah. time we'd ever sold out a show nice. yeah that was epic yeah that was epic yeah, so. that was really good Owen from Straight Arrows put me on his shoulders at the end because he was crowd surfing I think maybe naked <laughs> with his guitar maybe yeah and I was like I was like, get on my shoulders. And I was like, oh, really? I get to experience a bit of the, like lifting up by someone. And then I had my drumsticks and I was going around the crowd on his shoulders. And then, then the sound guy put on um, It was to, Kiss. Yeah, it was Kiss. God yeah. gave rock and roll to God you. God gave rock and roll. Yeah. came on really loud. Yeah, that was very epic. Because we played every single song we'd ever written. We played the two covers that we knew. And they were going, more, more, more. So I launched off naked. Yeah. Crowd surf. God gave rock and roll to you came on. And Owen put you on his shoulders. And it was a pretty much Yeah, that was very game. fun. Yeah, that was a oh. great show. That is a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> sentiment. That is that, and God did give rock and roll to you too. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> now I continue to forget this. Is the album called Introverted Extroverts or Extroverted Introverts? Introverted Extroverts. Introverted Extroverts, mm-hmm. and that is out on June fifteenth. Yes, uh, probably will be out by the time that you hear this. So go get yourself and if you a come copy. Come to the car with us now. We can give you a copy. Sounds good. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> so you guys, yeah, you're not coming to the car. You've you- got to wait, guys. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can come to the car if you can find where we are right now and go back in time. Yeah. <laughs> good luck this with is that. Not being streamed live. So. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be great? How's the technology? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll have to do one of those someday, a live episode. But yeah. uh, for now, Leroy, Kat, thank you so, so much for thank your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm David James Young. All my friends are This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.